You are tuned into Your Voice, Your Power with Anika. Real lives, real stories, and real hope through transformational leadership. You have entered the safe zone. The safe space for creatives, executives, business owners, dreamers, and leaders of the new school. Sharing tips, tools, and resources to thrive with authenticity as authorities on a global scale. Transformation is power, and so is your truth. Stay tuned for The Real Deal with Anika and her guests. Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and today I am here with Callie Tigerden. Tea garden. Oh, that sounds so much more enthusiastic. (laughs) Tea garden. All right. Can you tell the world who you are and what you do? Yeah, I would love to. And thank you so much for having me, Anika. So I am a corporate America professional turned entrepreneur. Um, I started my journey in the corporate world, went to college, got a great education, one day woke up miserable, realized that (laughs) I wasn't a really good corporate employee because I wanted more vacation. (laughs) And I had an entrepreneurial spirit. And so I ended up in the network marketing profession. Um, In 2006, I have been a network marketer. I like to call myself a professional network marketer ever since. And um, I am focused now on inspiring people, um, really finding joy in my journey. I've been with my company, um, Send Out Cards, and now Greener Still. We have that name since 2009. And uh, I love what I do and just want to inspire people to embrace who they are and love their life instead of living a life that they believe that they're told that they need to be this or that to fit in or be perfect, the perfect wife, the perfect mom, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend, the perfect whatever. Mm -hmm. So that's who I am. Now, did you ever have that cookie cutter picture of what you were going to be when you were growing up? Oh, I did. What were you going to be? That was going to be an author. Okay. That was, I wanted to write from a young age. I wanted to be an author. Um, I wanted to be a doctor when I went to college. I thought I wanted to be a doctor. My junior year, I realized that was my mom's dream, not Mm -hmm. my own. Mm -hmm. That was early. Good job. Yeah. And that perfect daughter. I just decided I didn't want to study that hard. (laughs) Yeah. That's a whole different thing. It's a whole different. I wanted to be a neonatologist when I was little, when I found out I was a preemie. Oh, wow. I think I lost that dream probably middle school. I was like, yeah, no, not for me, but I I get it. But you actually found out early because a lot of people do live their parents' dreams, even getting into family business or, you know, becoming a lawyer because it's generational, it's legacy, it's whatever. So you were actually ahead of the game a long time ago. Yeah, it was all those chemistry classes. I'm like, yeah, I can't do this. I went to Notre Dame and I remember my freshman year, there was a lady across the hall and she was studying for the MCAT. And she studied for the MCAT on the football weekends, like Friday night when everyone was going out. She'd go to the game, but come back and study. And I got to my junior year, I'm 21. I'm like, yeah, 
there's no way that's going to be me. I don't want to study that hard. It's not worth it. So I decided to become a salesperson instead. Hey, you have the personality. <laughs> Thank you. Because I had a marketing, I changed my business from chemistry, like biochemistry to science business, which meant I had still had a concentration in science, but I got to take all the sophomore level business classes. And I had a marketing professor and he'd asked, there was about 40 of us in the class and he asked who wants to go into sales when they're done. It was myself and another person who raised their hand. And that professor, I loved him. He said, the rest of you are crazy. Who do you think is out tailgating in their own RVs on Friday afternoons before the football weekends? It's salespeople because they're the only ones who have enough time away from their job and make enough money to be able to do that. I was like, I'm in. Pick Sign me, me up. Sign me up. <laughs> I never thought about it that way, you know, but, but what I say, when I say you have the personality, because when we think of sales, of course, we think of a guy, first of all, we don't think of women and women. It's one of entrepreneurs biggest downfalls is, is our perception of sales and our ability to sell. But when you talk about it from a relational perspective, like you have this bubbly personality that who wouldn't want to talk to you? And no matter what you have, it's like, okay, sign me up because Callie, Callie told me about it. You know, <laughs> so it's just like, you know, why not? But it's it's interesting that you saw that from, from early on, but we don't think about positioning ourselves in places where we can really do what we love. I mean, why wouldn't you want to network for a living or talk to people or, you know, it's it's, it's literally just synthesizing your skills and abilities, but through a relational level. Right. It is. And, it, and, it, I, and I'm very fortunate that I found that early on. I thought I wanted to be in pharmaceutical sales. I didn't get hired in it um, because I had that background. Mm -hmm. I ended up in staffing and transportation and industrial supply before going into network marketing. Um, and I don't know really what that total draw to sales was. I just knew... I wanted to do sales. And a lot of people are like, no, not sales. But <laughs> yep. Yeah, I get to talk for a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you say sales, I'm like, I'm out, you know, but I'm like, give me everything else. Give me outreach. But if you think about it, it is the same thing. And it the same thing. it's all about sales is about building connections, yes. right? With people, the best salespeople. And I've seen this in my career, build the best relationships. It's not about trying to sell everyone your goods. It's about building the relationship and seeing where it takes you. And, and those that do that, right? And there is, there is this fine line of when to sell and when to build relationship. You do have to ask for sales and all that. You have to know what you're doing and, it, and it's a learned skill. Mm -hmm. Though it is about relationships because if you think about it, people do business with people they know, like, trust, and remember, right? Okay, so you think about it. Who do we hang out with as friends? People we know, like, trust, and remember. If we don't like someone, we don't know them, we don't trust them, we're not going to invite them over to our house for dinner Saturday night. Nope. Same thing with business, right? We want to do business with the same type of people. And so it truly is about the relationship. And I think so many people forget that. And it's not about, I was talking to a friend of mine last night and we we're talking about, there are people who 
are like will build the relationship until they find oh i can't get anything from that person they're gone you never hear them again that's not a true relationship versus the consummate salesperson or person or business person that continues to build the relationship even after because they enjoy the relationship and they don't know where it's going to take them. They're not looking for a sale out of every relationship. They're looking at the person in the relationship and saying, how can I help them? Because when they know they can help other people, it will come back to them tenfold. Well, that's just like transactional versus transformational, you know, is right. that, you know, a lot of people have this transactional sales strategy and they think that everything is just, you know, if you're not going to buy, you're wasting my time. But ultimately, if you you transform, you actually show value, you add value. And even in a relationship, you know, you wait around and see what can I add to this and what can I get from this versus it being a one way street. I think a lot of people lose focus of that very early on. You know, it's just, a, OK, I have a goal. I have to do this. And they got blinders on to all that can happen between a conversation. I mean, you talk to somebody who you know, like, and trust, and regardless of whether they need your product or service, they love you. So they then meet somebody who needs your product and service and is like, well, I didn't need it, but she's perfect for you. Well, guess what? That's word of mouth. That's marketing. You know, you, you spent 10 minutes with this person. They now know what you do. You're memorable to them. And I know every time I interview someone, I always wonder, I'm like, wow, I have no idea why God planted that person in my path. And then later on, I see this person that's devastated. Oh my gosh, I need a sales coach. I need this. And I'm like, I know the perfect person for you, right. you know? And, and it's another thing that you mentioned that was an aha moment for me is when you first said network marketer, I started in network marketing uh, six years ago and I was horrible. But what I realized is that I didn't have one confidence and I was terrified to talk to strangers. Because if you talk to me about my kids, I could carry on a conversation. If you talk to me about church, I could carry on a conversation. But I didn't translate those skills to my product and what I was actually selling. I also got into it because I wanted sisterhood. I wanted the camaraderie. I wanted, you know, I wanted to talk and hang out. I could care less about selling the product. It was more about the, the membership for me and the mentorship. And so, you know, it's interesting because just listening to you, it really highlights, you said, building connections is a learned skill. And we often don't realize that. People think that if they don't have it, then they just don't have it. And it's like, no, practice. Right. And well, I will tell you, I was horrible at network marketing when I started. I came out of a corporate sales environment, right? And I had those learned skills. I was business to business and I move into network marketing, go talk to your family and friends. And it was a whole different world. Mm -hmm. right hold yeah. I threw up over people I I actually had a lot of fear after a while talking to people going up and I'm like who is this person this is never the person but it was a different skill set that I had to learn yeah. and when I let go of trying to sell stuff to everyone and went back to what I was good at, at building relationships and looking for doors. And a door is when someone says something that I can say, and it might not be right away. I can come back and say, oh, by the way, Anika, you had mentioned the other day, blah, blah, blah. You're want to get out of the house. You have something going on. I don't know if this is for you, but I'd love to show you what I'm up to. Right. And it was that, yeah. right. Not making every conversation and honing in. Oh my gosh. When can I talk about my business? When can I talk about my business? But just letting a conversation saying and saying, 
oh, hey, she said that. Let me come back in a couple days and see if we can further talk about that, right? And it changed the pressure on me, which then made me show up real and more authentic than I was when it was just go talk to everyone. Yep. And that's the thing is, is you mentioned like listening to respond versus listening to listen, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, that's the reality is that we're, we're so focused and it's like, let go and just be in a room with other people and find out what's out there. Just, you know, research, find friends, connect, you know, you just never really know. And so in this process, somehow you have begun to focus on finding joy in the journey. Yes. Which we know right now, there are a lot of people who used to have joy, but the joy was stolen. Now they're trying to figure out, okay, this pandemic, job loss, all these different things have stolen my joy. For me, these white walls are starting to cave in and this house is getting smaller, but, and so is the island, it's getting smaller. But how, or let me say what, made you change your focus from what you were doing to say, hey, I want to focus on teaching people how to tap into to joy and just live in life and experience in life and taking it for what it is. Right. So first I had to find my own. <laughs> and so what happened was I, when I turned 40, um, I went through a divorce. I know 40. I just turned 40 uh, like 60 days ago. We did have that conversation. Woo! -hoo! Um, 40, I thought I had been always been told we're going to be the best years of my life. And the first yeah. three were the worst. Oh, no. Um, I know, I know it doesn't, it's not everyone's journey. It was just my journey. It's got to get better. It's going back. It's uh, going uphill from here. It's going good now. So at 40, within 12 days of turning 40, I decided to file for divorce and leave my husband at that time. Very, I was a very different person. Very very couldn't make decisions. I went from being someone really strong and making decisions to over a 12 year marriage, losing myself and letting go of my boundaries to try to fix things, not realizing I was actually making it worse. Mm -hmm. um, and in that process, like I woke up one day and didn't recognize myself because I had given up so much of who I was. And so I was scared to death to go through this divorce, but I knew I knew I could, I was living my good life, but I could never have my great life unless I let go of my good life. Mm -hmm. And so in those three years, I went through the divorce within a year of going through that divorce or filing, my father died. And then just two years and two months later, my mom died. My parents were 69 and 70. My mom, um, we were very close, died of unexpected heart attack, like young 70. We like, thought she would live into her 80s full of life people say I look like her like I have a lot of her energy and one day she was here and the next day she was gone and so I my world was like shattered yeah. like it was like when is this gonna stop when is life gonna get better and I remember I had been at her house that day, like after we found out and my sister was staying and I knew if I stayed, I needed to go do something. I couldn't just stay. I was going to eat the brownies that were there and drink the bottle of wine, which was not going to be good for me. And so we were having a send out cards event in Houston. I was supposed to be hosting it, but you know, um, I had turned it over to my team. And so I decided to go back, drive the hour and a half back into Houston and go to the event because I figured that would be better for me than the brownies and the wine surround myself with people instead of food and alcohol, right? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. can go either really good or really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And uh, on the way in, uh, the founder of our company, a gentleman by the name Cody Bateman called me and he said, Callie, um, like, how you doing? I don't remember, but I remember something like that. And I said, Cody, you know what? These are, everyone says the 40s are supposed to be the best years in the life. And these are my worst. And he said, Callie, I know you think that now, but this is shaping you into the person you're supposed to be. And you will look back someday and say, the 40s were the best years because I became who I'm supposed to be. And that like struck me, like defining moment struck me. And so I was like, went to the event, picked up the pieces. Well, about a week and a half later, I had a 16 day trip planned um, out to California. I was going to wine country and LA and ending Arizona to visit some friends and ending at an Eric Warre event in, um, in uh, Las Vegas. And then I actually had to fly back to my mom's memorial service in Indiana. And so when I left on that, it was an idea like a prompting that inner thought that I decided in that trip, I was going to find something to be grateful or joyful about every day of the trip. And I was going to post it on Facebook with a black and white photo and talk about finding joy in the journey, even through a season of sorrow. Mm-hmm. And that was over what, 1300, 1200, I don't even know what day it is, but like 1300 days ago. Um, and so what started as a 16 day project, just to help me on that trip, find happiness, find my own joy, because I knew my parents would want me to be happy. They would want me to find joy. Mm-hmm. It's turned into this this mission that I haven't stopped. And I've thought about stopping a lot of times. It's hard to do it every day. Yeah. But every time I do, someone says, this makes a difference. And how do you, if your goal is to inspire people to find their freedom and live their great life, how do you stop something that helps people do that? I actually, after I met you, I went on and looked at it and it was powerful. And I was like, I have no excuse because you can't be around people like you and still be down. It's like, I don't want to talk to you, Callie. I want to go be depressed. You just can't, you know, it's like, it's infectious. And it's just, it's, you know, you get to a point where you want to be surrounded by those people. And it's very hard to be around other people because at one point we realize, okay, adversity is going to keep coming. So either I can keep doing this downward spiral or I can determine that, okay, I'll give it 10 minutes, an hour, maybe a day, but I'm going to keep going because I realized, you know, when I started my coaching, first of all, I was coaching myself, which was how it all started. Cause really I, I, I wasn't where I am now, but it's interesting how, when you commit to this, it's like, it's a calling because you, you need it and you realize it there, if you need it, then there's somebody else that needs it too. And then it becomes a responsibility. It's like, okay, I really can't quit because now I'm inspiring people. And then you get those instant messages just when you're ready to just say, okay, I'm not doing it today. And it's like, you inspired me so much. And you're like, but, but I didn't have any likes. I didn't even know anybody was watching. Someone is always watching. Someone is always watching. Always. And it's, you know, it's been life-changing in my world. I went, it's allowed me to 
really find my voice again, speak that voice through all of this. It's allowed me to become more vulnerable, which is sometimes scary. Um, it's allowed that, it doesn't mean I don't have bad days. I do have bad days. It's though I force myself even in the bad day to find something, right? I've been through, my husband is British. You know, we went through, we were married two years and four months before we finished the immigration process and he could move here. And in COVID, you know, we went, I'd seen him in February and we didn't see each other again until October, but I had to quarantine for 14 days over there. I was only there for, um, right? But finding something, I, you get what you focus on, right? So yep. it doesn't mean bad things stop happening, right? Or things that are negative, or I'm not like screaming at the top of my lungs at times because things are driving me crazy, but it just grounds you of of finding joy and I see joy as gratitude. And when you are grateful in your life, right? What you appreciate, what you appreciate, appreciates. So when you focus on the good and the joy, it doesn't mean the bad's not there, but it's no longer sucking all of your attention. Mm -hmm. Or energy, you know, or because it is, it is draining to be, you know, down. Um, you know, it's interesting because I, I think of you and I think of send out cards and I think about relationships and I've known about send out cards for years and years and years and years. But, you know, my daughter got stricken with conversion disorder, which apparently is now on TV. So I guess it's starting to become more, more, I don't want to, I don't want to say popular. I, you know what I mean? But prevalent, it's happening. It's happening to kids a lot, teenagers, especially. Um, but um during her, her illness and, you know, I was posting pictures or whatever, somebody from send out cards was sending me cards and they were coming almost every day. And it was the first one caught me because it was a picture of me. And it said something like you are stronger than, you know, and it like, it was the text right over my own face. And I'm like, how did she know it, it? And it was just, it was a stranger. She's on my page, but she knew enough to ask, you know, she was like, can I send you something? Can you give me your address? And I'm like, wait a minute. Are we supposed to give people our addresses these days? Like, I'm super scared. Like, this could be really bad. But I'm like, if she's going to send it all the way to Hawaii, then, it, you know, it can't be but so bad, right? Sure. And then they kept coming. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And, and it, you never think about how much a comment, a like, uh, a thank you, uh, keep your head up, uh, I'm praying for you. You don't realize, especially in your times of need and isolation, that those little things, those little measures can change somebody's world. And then I was like, well, I can't really post it. You know, I'm down or I'm alone. I'm not fighting this battle alone because everybody's fighting it with me just virtually, you know? It was, um, it was kind of like a validation that, you know, no matter how far you are from everybody that you know, there are still people that have your back, you know? And that's the joy in, in what we do, but ultimately in what you do. So you have been on this, this journey with send out cards now greener still for 12 years. Yeah. Since 2009, I, I got a card in the mail and I was looking for a simple way to stay in touch. And I was like, this is what I'm looking for. Oh my and, gosh. Uh, yeah. I, I had no idea. So I was just going to be a customer, but I became an affiliate. So I'm like, I know people I can get my money back. Right. That constant <laughs> person. And uh, had no idea when I signed the dotted line, okay, on the computer, but you know what I mean? <laughs> the 
change in my life I would experience by being part of this company and embracing the philosophy about just reaching out in kindness, right? Just reach out in kindness, just like the card. She was reaching out in kindness. Yes, yes, right? it was. That's what Priceless. we This company has made me a better person. This company has helped my voice come back, right? Of, I joined this company at, at 12 years ago. I joined this company at 34. And I told you what happened at 40. Well, that was a slow process. And, and in a lot of ways, this company helped save me because it just, our founder believes in what we call I am statements, right? That future version of yourself telling and all of that and what I went through and the visioning got me back to who I always knew I was mm -hmm. versus the person that was just trying to please everyone, mm -hmm. right? I had this belief. I was very um, either or right? A gentleman called it binary today. It was either or. I was either perfect or I was failing, right? Yeah, no in between. Good or I was bad. There was no middle ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt like I always had to look perfect. And social media, right? I have the perfect marriage. I didn't have the perfect marriage, but I was too scared to tell anyone I didn't have the perfect mm -hmm. marriage because they might judge me. And I was so scared of what other people thought of me. And this company and being part of this, and I think a lot of it's the network marketing profession, allowed me to do the personal development. It encouraged the personal development versus like in corporate America, it doesn't. They don't care. Really realize where I where I was and where I was playing a victim in my own life mm -hmm. and reclaiming who I was in that voice and that I will be ever grateful for send out cards greener still our founder Cody Bateman and this profession because my life I believe by joining went on a different path. I, I just can't imagine being able to do that every day. I mean, yes, if, as coach and consultant and all these different things, it's, you know, you do do that, but there's a lot of, of work involved. But I, I see send out cards more of a celebratory thing. You know, it's like, you can literally like shine, you can highlight. I was making one for my anniversary. Well, when I signed up, I was just like, okay, let me just do this because I know I'm not going to log back on. So I was like, let me do my daughter's 16th birthday and my anniversary because you can schedule it. I was like, this is made for me. <laughs> and then I'm going to get points because people are going to be like, oh, she sent it to me. I'm like, yeah, I scheduled it, but we're not going to tell them that. But I was just thinking to myself as a business owner, even, you know, you're always thinking of the perfect thing to send someone to say thank you, or can't wait to meet you or see you in Chicago or be there soon or sorry, you're going through what you're going through, but you're still awesome. You know, it's, we, we take a lot of things for granted nowadays. And I think that's even something that we don't think to do, but I keep all of my cards up on my little bookshelf because you need those memories. You need those reminders. Even when you're walking in your own journey, even when you know that you're grateful and you have your affirmations, seeing it from somebody else is different than encouraging yourself. And that is a perfect token. Right. And it's different getting a card like this. This one cracks me up. Like that actual, my husband, right? Postcards, we're getting lots of postcards, but it's that 
tangible touch because we can tell someone that in a text we can tell it to them in a facebook or an email or a messenger but because of social and how it works things disappear we forget mm -hmm. but when you send someone you take a moment and you actually send i'm looking for one like a card to someone thanking them for something. There was one I was looking for specifically. Like, I don't know where it's at. Like my husband sent me this one, right? It's tangible, yep. right? Days. I can't tell you how many people have said your card is sitting on my desk, your card met, where I could tell them the exact same thing in a Facebook message, but they don't remember it. That's There's the thing about this tangible because we all have this need to love and be loved. And a lot of times we forget that we're loved because yep. we're in a bad place or we are our worst critic, we're doubting ourselves. And I do believe in the power of acting on our promptings because when we have that prompting to reach out to someone else, they need to hear it. Yep. Right? It's and I thing. believe that when we act on it, I don't know exactly what day this is going to show up in your mailbox, but it's the day and the moment you need to hear it most. And when you can do things like that, like really listen to that inner voice and reach out to people, you can change other people's lives. And in the process, you change yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you get to see yourself different because you do know that you're making an impact. And I'll tell you another thing that I thought about when I was making the cards is that I've been wanting to get a digital, um, create a digital photo album for my kids because we don't print pictures anymore. We don't. You know, and, and I had to give pictures of my kids and say, yeah, here's a picture of you as a baby. Like I really did have you, you know, because there's no, <laughs> there's no, there's no remnant around the house, you know? And, and so I thought about it. I was like, oh my goodness, this is a perfect way to send my kids pictures for them to get mail so that they know that they're, you know, and, and they have their own picture on it. And of course, then they're fascinated because they're like, wait, how did you do that? And it's like, it's a secret. The postcards are great for that. Yes. Simple. even their milestones, you know? And so even thinking of that, and even the fact that we're away from family and all these things, like there's no limit on, on where you can do it. So, you know, it's something that I definitely, even though you, kn I knew about it when I cashed in and I was like, okay, I'm going on the website. And I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a problem because I, I wanted to send them to myself. I'm like, oh, I like this one. Can I put this one in my office? And can I do this? But Things. there's so much versatility in it mm -hmm. and it's and if you think from a business standpoint going back to the no like trust and remember right if you send people cards if you're a real estate agent insurance agent anyone doing business right we learned i learned in college marketing it's all about me it's all about my logo it's all about my brand no it's Maya Angelou said it best. It's about how you make other people feel. And you like, and I know the lady that sent you the cards. She made you feel important. She wasn't trying to sell you. Mm -mm. She saw you going through a need. She made you feel important. And when you signed up, I said, go talk to her, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. But it's how you make people feel. Because at the end of the day, we get something in the mail that says, look, I'm the best at what I do. We throw it away because everyone says they're the best. Yeah. People yep. that are the best at what they do is the ones that make other people feel important. If you can start taking a little bit of time and just focusing on making other people feel important. Yep. Just that tiny, 
the tiny and extra step. You really mean it, not because you're trying to get something. Yeah. Right. It's the whole give to give mentality versus the getting, which I talked about earlier, like with the conversation the friend and I were having about the people that are just like, oh, I can't, oh, you, I can't get something from you. You're gone. You're no longer important. No, it's just if you give out, right, and you truly give God, the universe, whatever your beliefs will give back. That's right. Tenfold, right? Yes. If your focus is giving and truly giving. Genuine. I mean, Tony Robbins talked about like he paid for like one of my favorite stories of his is he was like let down to his last dollars right and he saw this little kid um, was in a suit and he was eating at the buffet because he didn't know when he was going to eat again and he ended up giving the little kid the like twenty dollars his last twenty dollar bill to pay for his mom he was taking his mom on a date and you know he didn't know and he went back and there was a check in the mail because or I think it showed up the next day from something he'd been trying to get for months, but because he did the right thing and he gave, right? And it's all about that giving and getting into that mentality of giving and letting go of the outcome, which is really hard with everything we've been taught. Mm -hmm. Letting go. Yep, absolutely. And I want to highlight something. You're actually a speaker as well. So now you are speaking. Please tell the world what what do you go talk about? I mean, I, I can guess what this is, but tell everybody about your journey and how you talk about is networking, um, how to network, right? How to do it the right way versus the wrong. (laughs) I've done both. I've done both. Believe me. I know I was a salesperson. The first time I went to a networking event, I joined my network marketing company. I come from sales. I'm like, look, a room of a hundred people to sell to. Yeah, no. Because we all do that. And then it, first of all, you get that fear first. And then you're like, oh, I got this. And then it's like, no, you don't. Don't be there to buy, but we're all there to sell. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. So networking, um, also about relationship building. Like the one is like the like hundred, the hundred people to your next list, like really developing your list, but then what to do, how to build those relationships right? How to connect, how to look, be unique in the marketplace. When people think of your business, they think of you. And it's not because you send them a flyer that says, Hey, I'm the best. Yeah. And that's branding. You know, we're women struggle to create their brand identity because we're always trying to juggle a million things. We're always trying to make sure that we stand up right. And you said something earlier, once you become a, a business woman, you're an influencer. And so I, I market and I say, you know, for influencers and leaders and women don't even realize I'm talking to them because I'm like, you're a leader and an influencer, you know, but we are not able to then post, you know, whatever we want on Facebook and Instagram and all that, because once you step into this role, there's a responsibility, but there's also this lack of ability to, to have your bad days, you know, because we're coaching people saying, bye, joy, the journey. And all you want to post is, okay, like this really makes no sense, but we can't do that, you well, know? And Though I do think there is a way you can frame it. You can't say life sucks. This person. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Cause you know, in the moment, say, that's what you want to say. But you can't say, I learned a lesson today. I learned that right. And spin it. I learned that my day. Made it sound so graceful. The way I wanted to. 
though I had to look at it differently, right? And there are ways of being real and authentic and vulnerable without like throwing out your dirty laundry. And, and, and there is a line there because you don't want to be the Nelly Nagger and the dirty laundry all over social media, but you don't want to be the perfect, like nothing Always perfect. happens in my life. Yeah. So if you, and that's what finding the joy in the journey has given to me. It's allowed me to find that voice to be authentic and real. And yeah, most of the time, life is good because that's what I focus on. And some days it's not. And I talk about the struggles and the journey because part of going through the struggle and seeing the rainbow at the end is part of the journey and part of the joy. And maybe the rainbow's in the middle and the next thing you know, it starts storming. I mean, I said, I think it was in one recently that I'm like, I was yelling, we, my husband and I were out on a walk. It wasn't supposed to rain. I'm yelling at this guy like, okay, enough, stop raining. Like, show your personality that's what people want they just don't want constant negativity but they want to know that you're real mm -hmm. yeah I, I'm laughing because there's nothing but rainbows over here I yesterday rainbow day before it rainbow day before that rainbow and, and I'm cracking up because the rainbow has a completely different meaning here it's just normal <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I get your point and that's the thing too is that you know I think that it's really important for, for people and especially women to know that it's okay to feel, it's okay to be real, it's okay to be who you are. But we were talking about identity and I think there's a lot of, of um, conflict because we're often struggling with all the things that we're juggling at once and we still have to stand up and, and be that leader and be who we are. But you know, you you talk about finding joy in the journey, which is so important. And I think it's more important for leaders, for women who are doing things and serving other people to make sure that they're getting filled too. Right. And I think something that you would just like light bulb in my help as women, I think there's a difference being for asking for help versus being needed. And I yes. think we have it wrong. Yep. Okay. So I'm working on a book. This is in the book. Don't steal the idea. No kidding. If you guys want to like go at it. No, buy the book. Okay, so as women, we think we have to do it all and we can't ask for help. But then after we do it all, we're asking other people, okay, did I do okay? Was that okay? Did I get a do job? Guess what? That's being needy because we need that attention versus the strong, confident woman isn't needy. Instead, she says, you know what? I can't do this all by myself and it's okay. Let me ask for help. We think asking for help is being needy. What being needy is, is asking for validation to tell us it was okay. I guess I'm needy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it is, it's this thought, right? It's okay. It is, and we do it. We do it all the time because we've been, you know, shunned so much. And even from corporate, you know, you're told you're hired for a job and you're told, don't think outside the box, just do this and don't think anywhere else, you know? And so yeah, that corporate. exactly. Right. And so, so then when you're, when you're doing that and you're just trying not to get fired every day, because you're like thinking outside the box and you're creative, you have all these ideas, nobody's listening, you know, and, and then you get into your own realm where you don't have those checks and balances anymore. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm the sole decision maker. You know, you're, you know that what you have is valuable, but then for some reason that doubt and that fear starts crippling in, but that's why we need to build our networks. And that's why we need to have accountability partners and we need to, 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 to 
wow, con all the words came in, connect, ask for help, you know, get a coach, do all these things because when you're building, you can't, you cannot, you can't build with one brick. I mean, and you can't build a whole house by yourself. So you need a contractor, you need a designer, you need all these different things because that's what we're supposed to, to have. And when I wrote your name down, I wrote down team building because I just, I get that from you is that people think that there is a science to building your team. And a lot of the CEOs and the, the entrepreneurs that I talk to, they're, they're so afraid. That's the scariest thing is to build a team because you're scared to bring somebody into your thing and they, they steal it or it's wrong or whatever. But in your relationship building methodology, like what I get from you is that you, you talk about and you encourage people to build authentic relationships. And when you do that, the right people fall into your lap and you're able to fill the gaps. Like you can just literally just fill the gaps because when you open yourself up to receive, those things will come to you. Yeah, truly. And it is, it is. And it doesn't mean that someone's not going to come to your life that wasn't the right person, right? Oh yeah, we you get know, that practice learning. too. We're learning like boundaries are important, all these things. And I've had people come in and out of my life. But if I look at those relationships and learn a lesson from them, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing, if we don't learn, it keeps showing up. <laughs> I was just talking about, I think I did a post on that. I was like, you could either learn the lesson or just get used to just seeing it. And it's going to have a different face, a different name on a different date. And it's going to be the same exact thing until you do you actually own up to it, address it and get past it. And sometimes the lesson is to go back to that is to just ask for help. And so that's what I want. I want women to know it's okay to ask for help. It's not needy to ask for help. And it's not weakness. Get that out of our minds. It's that not a weakness. It's a no, strength. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. Yeah. If you look at, you know, the really powerful women CEOs, they're not doing it all by themselves. They've got a lot of people helping them. And for those women, they need to show the rest of them, us, they're not perfect. They have help, right? Yep. That's part of it too. Yep. None yep. of us do it alone. We, I don't believe we were put on this earth to do it alone. We're not. We're, we're the ones that are normally the ones that always travel in packs. I mean, we don't, we're, we're designed innately to have friends, family, villages. I always say build your village. Like, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. Right. So don't think you have to do it alone. And I think, you know, I, with working on the book, there was a time in my life I felt very alone, a lot of shame. And I didn't know where to go or who to talk to. And I finally started opening up. And I thought, I told a girlfriend my story and I thought she was going to judge me. And instead, she loved me. And I think that so many of us hide behind these walls and we don't want people to know the we only want them to see the perfect and the really great. We don't want them to see the bad and ugly, but we all have it. And when we can connect with other women and love them for who they are and for the decisions they made, even if it's not the decision that I would have made, it's her journey. And to love her on her journey, like as women, I think as we build our confidence, right? We always have this thing like only one woman at the board table. So women are in cat fight and all that. I believe that we aren't nice to other women and it stems from jealousy. 
right? Because we don't think we are enough. And so if all of us as women can start loving and embracing selves as enough, mm-hmm. the jealousy drops go drops away. We lock arms and we are amazing together, right? And so I do believe that if you can do, and I don't know how I got on this tangent, but if you- I'm loving it. Go of comparing yourself to others, right? That root of all evil is comparison. Elaborate, not comparison. Right. And that comparison is the thief of joy. And it's what keeps women disconnected instead of connected, right? No one is perfect. No woman is perfect. No man is either. We all know that. (laughs) But no, (laughs) I love your face right now. But no woman is. And if we can just start being real and vulnerable and realize that no one's perfect, let go of our comparisons and love who we are, we, we got lots to do as women in the world. I love every woman I know because either I relate to her or she compliments me. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things I'm not good at. And so people are like, oh, can Anika, can you do this? I can't, but I know somebody that can, you know, and I have always been that person. And I didn't realize that I got chewed up and spit out like in high school and all those things, because I've always been that all-inclusive person because I've never, I sucked at sports. I ran track. They, they like kicked me out. I did the relay. They were, I was like, if you want it that bad, I don't care. You can go past me. <laughs> that didn't work out so well, but I, I've just never been a, 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 a um, competitive person because I've always felt like there's room for everybody. And if there's not room, there's another opportunity where you can go in my place or there will be room for you. But if we keep each other in mind and if we keep each other accountable and we support each other, there's no need for all that foolishness. It's foolishness. And I was completely opposite. I'm very competitive. I was raised very competitive. And I believe that if I wasn't the best, then I was failing. Not, I, I never, like after I went through my divorce, like around parents dying. It was after my dad died. I think it was before my mom died. I read um, The Four Agreements and Miguel Ruiz, Don Ruiz. And in there, it talked about being your best. The goal was never to be the best. The goal was to be my best. And I didn't realize that, right? Because, and that's what made me competitive and ugly. There were ugly times, girlfriend, totally ugly. I like I'm appalled at my behavior because I wasn't the best someone else was. I think of a few occasions. And so I was just mean to that other woman because I was no longer the best and felt like she stole the spotlight from me instead of focusing on being my best. I love yoga for that because, right, it's all about what goes on in my mat. And so embracing that, like that was a new concept to me, like, oh, it's not about being number one. It's about being my best. What does that even mean? And so that started a whole journey too. It's made me a much nicer and better person. (laughs) I'm cracking up because somehow I've managed to have competitive children and we went putt-putt the other day and I was like, I don't like them. Like, I don't even want to play with you. It's not that, I mean, they were angry. I was like, I I don't- I don't know who these children are, where they came from, because they definitely don't get that from me. But it's funny because I've, you know, we always talk about how we are our best competitor and, you know, we compete against ourselves. But I think I'm finally in that zone where, like you said, I knew that I was ready to get rid of my 30s. But in my 40s, I think that I know my value. And so I don't really 
I honestly don't care, don't look at, don't compare. I don't listen to other podcasts. I don't, the books that I read are mostly for school. You know, I just try to stay in my zone to really hone into what my skills and abilities are so that I can make sure that whatever I put out and provide to other people is genuine and authentic and my best, because I also realize that I don't have to be good at everything. We write books and we do stuff. And a lot of times we don't put it out because we're like, oh, but it's imperfect. But if we're in our zone of genius, and if we need to have other zones of genius, we have girlfriends for that. We have friends and partners for that. And so when you realize that, it's like, oh, I really don't have to be the best at everything. I just have to know the people that are. And we roll together, you know, and and that that's everything. And know our lane, know what we're good at, know what. And there are things we may be good at, but we don't like to do. It's okay Damn. to have help in those areas. Outsource. Outsource. Forget help. I don't want to be a part of it at all. Can you handle all of it? <laughs> right. And then letting go of like explaining what you want to do, not controlling every single moment of it. Stop uh, talking about me like I'm not here, Kelly. Because <laughs> I'm talking about myself too. Because <laughs> we all have the same struggles, fears, wants, just they show up differently. And that's what I want women to know is that, you know what, don't be afraid to tell your story because I guarantee you the woman sitting either to your right or your left has either been there or hasn't hit that season yet because we all have the same challenges. They look different. They may appear in different seasons of our lives, but we have the same struggles. And if we can overcome them together, then we all succeed. Right. I mean, I, what you went through probably in your thirties, I went through in my forties. I'm a late bloomer, right? (laughs) But it, it, because it was my journey and it was the right time for me to realize those lessons. Yep. Do you have have lessons? Do you have, have sorry, no. And the internet, the Island internet's doing something funky too. Um, do you, um, have any last words? Cause I know me and you can talk. Um, mm-hmm. do you have any last words for our, our guests today? Cause we have covered several issues, but they all resonate in the same realm. Yeah, I would say, um, I know we've talked about a lot. I would say figure out, figure out what you want in your life, right? I, I, I started this process through what I call a top 100 list. I sat down and said hundred things I wanted to do before I died. Knowing. Um, I got the whole idea from coach Lou Holtz and I did it in 2012. My life looks very different. And then really focus on what are those three to five things you want? Really three in the next year, right? And figure out what your life looks like, write the story, right? I wrote my story a while back of like three to five years. This is what my story looked like. Let go, let go of how every piece must fall, right? We try to control everything. And when we try to control everything, we miss some of the best opportunities in our life. So figure out, right? I I wrote a chapter on personal branding in a book that's coming out. And this is part of what I believe is know what you want, know what you want that life to look like in three to five years, and then start just listening to that inner voice. We are very intuitive, especially as women. And if it tells you to go do something, even if it sounds crazy, (laughs) why would I not talk to that person? You never know where paths are going to lead. 
I think we so much get in our own way because we think it has to look like this package with a pink bow on top. And instead, the big gift is down there. If we stop focusing that look like this, we could have everything we wanted in the world if we let go of exactly how to happen. I think one of the first things we've ever learned was SMART goals, specific, measurable, actionable, whatever, right? Sometimes life is not specific, measurable, actionable, but if we put it out there and we believe, right? Napoleon Hill said, desire backed by faith knows no such word as impossible. Desire backed by faith, not control, faith knows no such word as impossible. So set your dreams, know what you want, and then go after it and let go of how it has to look. And I want to hear from you in three to five years to see what you set and what happened. I'm going to make my list of 100 because I made my list of 100 things I want to do before I leave Hawaii, but I didn't, I didn't think about like in general. So I'm going to get started on that list. That's powerful. Yeah. And dream big, like dream big. Yeah. The biggest one probably on my list is to give away a million dollars in one year. I have no idea. I haven't made a million dollars in one year. So I have no idea I'm going to give away a million dollars in one year, but it's on the list, right? That's number 100. Okay. I want to build a business and sell a business. I like it. Because I have multiple businesses in mind. I want to start women's centers and I want to start them in different cities, but I, I could see me starting them up and letting them go because I love starting them up and I love helping see a, another woman succeed. So I don't mind, you know, doing the, the handiwork and handing it over and doing it again and again and again and again and again. Because that's what you're good at. And you know that. And where we get in trouble is when you start a business and you think you have to see it through. Exactly. But yep. if you your skill, do your skill. Yeah. Don't let anyone else say, oh, you should do it this way. Nope. It's your life. You get to choose. I am learned to live limitless because people will put limits on you, but you can't let them. Tell everybody where to find you. Where to find me? Best place to find me is Facebook. There's not many Cali Tea Gardens out there. There's two of us. And I think she just got married and has a new last name. So um, Cali Tea Garden, that's the best place to find me on just my personal page. Like it's wide open. You can find the joy of journey. You'll also see my link tree there where you can find all my links and how to further connect with me. All right. I want to thank you for being here. I am kind of um, selfish and like to keep you to myself, but I guess I share you with the world because your spirit is just so awesome. Um, and I want to just thank you for coming today. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Your Voice, Your Power with Anika. As always, stay powerful. <laughs>